Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. VGK announces three coaching appointments. Why the late afternoon news dump? Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with Chris Golick from Las Vegas. I'm at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G on Twitter. And you could also find us at Locked On VGK. So, Chris, only in Las Vegas could naming three assistant coaches cause controversy of sorts. So after five o'clock last night, we received an email from VGK introducing three staffing updates. John Stevens named an assistant coach, 25 years of coaching, 17 of the National Hockey League, and he won the cup twice in Los Angeles. Uh, Stevens had spent the last three seasons with the Dallas Stars. And then Mike Rosati will stay on with the organization. He was there from day one back in 2016. He'll be the manager of goaltending, development, and scouting. And he will work closely with his new boss, Sean Burke. So Sean Burke, for the Devils goaltender, he enters his 15th season as a National Hockey League exec. He was last the goaltending coach with Montreal uh, for, I guess, uh, Sean was there for about five seasons with the Habs overall. And we are still leaving you in suspense. I'm very sure. Where is the controversy? Well, only a late afternoon post 5 p.m. news stem by VGK. And you have to wonder why just the timing of sending out a press release, right, Chris? Late in the afternoon, skeletons, as we found out, came out of Sean Burke's closet. Uh, pretty major at a time where VGK no longer wants to be an embarrassment, but they cannot help themselves and we saw a lot of fans in chat rooms on Facebook discussing this a 1997 domestic violence incident with Burke and his wife where she claimed on a famous now 911 call that she had been repeatedly beaten and said that it was a private matter is what he said at the time and so a lot to unpack here we hate to talk about the negative side we we're excited that Sean Burke was coming here and there was some clear direction, but the fans already are up in arms. And is this for the organization, another controversy swirling around? Not the most comfortable of um, conversations to have. And I, I'm not going to go too deep, um, but there is going to be questions throughout the season. Now there's going to be, a distraction. And, and we're talking about something significantly greater than sports and wins and losses and hockey here. We're talking about life and, and morals. And it's just not an easy topic to um, go after a whole lot. And I'm just thinking about the families at, you know, City National and stuff and at T Mobile watching these games. And eventually it leads to questions and such. Inside the locker room, there's going to be questions and such. And I'm not questioning Sean Burke as a hockey player, coach, and the achievements. 
you know, looking at the character decisions that are made amongst the Golden Knights, that's something that's going to have to be answered for at some point. And I know you're not going to get much out of a press conference from McCrimmon, McPhee, or Foley for that matter. Um, But I will be very curious to see how this plays out. Um, As far as to the hockey side of this, you have Rosati, who has been around VGK since day one. And it looks like his new role is manager of goaltending developments and scouting. And you also still have Fred Brathwaite down in Henderson uh, working with our AHL up and comers. So is this too many cooks in the kitchen? Is Rosati possibly on the way out? Is this going to be another layer of controversy that is going to potentially spell disaster for the for VGK in season six? I don't know. I really hope not. I want to see VGK do well. I want to see everything go well. I want to see just, you know, peace and harmony and a nice, fun uh, season six campaign. You have so many questions going into it with our coaching changes, our additional coaching changes. Will Eichel be healthy? Will the lines mesh? Is Riley Smith going to sign that extension? Um, all these other trades, Nick Hague and everything. There's so much brewing for this offseason for a team that needs to compete deep for a Stanley Cup to have a successful season. And now we just add another layer of questions and distractions and just more questions about the character of VGK's recent hires. Yeah, and uh, to me, it's uh, a PR nightmare of sorts, you know, for VGK. Um, What should they do next? What should they do now? Fans are talking about it. Fans know what happened. Fans are talking so much about it, and it has to be addressed. And someone in the media has to bring this to the attention of VGK. And I just thought maybe perhaps they need to be proactive. There's no reason for this team to make an announcement about coaching appointments after five o'clock in the afternoon. And that started to raise some red flags. And I texted one of my friends. I go, wow, I just got an email post 5 p.m. from VGK, afternoon news dump. What could be the rationale when they're just appointing? And I didn't know about this. I didn't know about this at the time. What could be the rationale about why they're releasing this so late? A lot of times it's for organizations to avoid any more media attention at the time. What happens next? Uh, do the local news media latch onto this? Uh, you need to address it. They need to address it at some point. They're going to have to say something to the effect. This was in the past. He went through counseling. He went through a domestic abuse program. And now, you know, he's still with his wife, I suppose. And now, you know, we need to move forward. But it's something that happened, you know, in 1997, 98, around then. And it should be in your rearview mirror if you address it. I think they cannot keep this skeleton in the closet. They can't. And then I found another interesting uh, point here, Chris. He made uh, Alexander uh, Gelchenyuk uh, apologize. I guess it was in Arizona. He made Gelchenyuk apologize for being a distraction when he was a victim himself of domestic violence. So Galchenyuk was a was a victim of domestic violence, and then Burke came in and said that the goalie was a distraction. 
oh boy, it's never quiet around here, even in the off season. Yeah, um, I you know I, I don't I don't claim to be a media person by any means. I'm just a you know a fan that you know enjoys talking VGK and hockey and whatever and else. Talking so hockey strange, and talking hockey. Topics. Yeah, no, right. none of this outside noise. You like to talk hockey, right? So do exactly, I. and. My my point is, you know, about the afternoon news dumps and stuff. I understand what you're saying, and I certainly do get that. The main reasoning is hopefully less eyes are on it, but you're not going to not be able to talk about it. And, you know, what, what bothers me right now is we do have, you know, my, my starting with my kids, you know, me and my, my son will listen randomly to our podcast and things like that. I'm sure, you know, I, I hope there's other families that do listen to this podcast. I think there are based on our feedback and things like that. And, you know, now this is something that needs to be talked about. And I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about this. We we need to talk about this because it is VGK news. It is important. It is important to understand good, bad, or otherwise the backgrounds of, you know, the people who are wearing the crest. I mean, that's why we watch that, that. That's one of the reasons we enjoy this. We enjoy the connection with the athletes, the coaches, the stories they have, the stories they tell their history. It's fun learning about them. I liked when Bruce Cassidy mentioned, uh, He's a big Pearl Jam fan. Boom, instant click. That's my favorite band in the world. So that's, as someone who likes sports, likes to talk about sports, I love getting to know the athletes. Going that next layer now, when you get to know, you know, that negativity about them and stuff, it's it's painful. And, you know, I, I love VGK. I love going to VGK games. And now someone behind the bench, you know, has these this history, this documented history you know, I guess is the way to say that. I'm not even sure if that's the right way. I'm not trying to under or overstate it, but there is this documented history of this terrible thing that's happened. And, you know, um, yeah. Is this segment over yet? <laughs> uh, no, and it's, it is. It's difficult to talk about. Uh, but again, it's something that's going to surface. And I feel like we've done a couple of uh, negative shows in a row. You know, yesterday we were talking about the past and why Bruce Cassidy was fired in D.C., but that's made him a better coach. We know a lot of those things, again, as a young coach, he will not repeat now. And again, you know, we talked about him winning the Jack Adams Award in 2019-2020. And so he's really learned a lot from that. He's learned a valuable lesson. But this is an organization that has been just around in a web of controversy, let's say. Uh, for the past few months, and you know, starting with Pete DeBoer and everything with Robin Leonard and all the other jazz and nonsense and the firing and McCrimmon coming out with lies and all of this stuff, you know. And right now it's an organization that just needs to be really clean, clean and, you know, again, just making and, and then they need to be transparent with their fans and with the media. That's the one thing that they are missing. Someone has to address this. They can't just keep putting things off to the side. And they can't just keep thinking that the fans, the media, the NHL, everyone around the globe that follows VGK, they can't think that they are smarter than all of those people. They, they can't continue VGK to be of the belief that they're just the smartest people in the room. And that's what I get coming out of something like this. If they really wanted to be transparent, again, send that release out during the day. If media calls to inquire, answer questions immediately. Be proactive. Be proactive. And then in the midst of all this, they have a great hire, I believe, in John Stevens, an assistant coach 
great experience, has won uh, the Stanley Cup twice, uh, very familiar with Alec Martinez and Braden McNabb, who we talked about yesterday. No doubt. I, I love the hire. I love the experience. Um, you always wonder how coaches roll from city to city. And a lot of times they do bring their, you know, their key assistant with them. And this obviously was not the case in Cassidy uh, going with uh, John Stevens and all that experience behind the bench will not hurt anything. Um, and maybe the, the synergy of not working with Cassidy uh, recently, at least, maybe that will also help create a new energy and, you know, new direction and leadership that maybe the team was missing behind the bench. Obviously, we understand uh, how things went with uh, Dober, and I uh, hope he does well in Dallas. Hope he does better in Dallas. Um, but VGK does need, you know, need that new voice. They need as much experience as they can have back there. And uh, John Stevens been doing this for a long, long time, been deep in the playoffs, lifted the Stanley Cup multiple times. So it's only going to help uh, VGK team that, you know, seems more up against it by, uh, you know, how things have been going lately. But, you know, good hire for John Stevens, and I hope uh, things will turn out really well for him. Yeah, and likewise, I hope that they can address this at the very least. And we don't like to always talk about these controversies. We like to critique the play on the ice. We don't like the off the ice stuff so much. But for us, again, to gain credibility or to have credibility with the folks that listen to this podcast, we have to continue to be upfront and honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. Coming up next, we'll talk about the Hall of Fame class of 2022. You are listening to Locked On Golden Knights. This episode brought to you today by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating, intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter offers orders, I should say, the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time, you can save money when you use Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%? 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. One example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from chain stores, $216 from Rock Auto. And Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today. You can find a solution for all your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or for your truck. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick here in Las Vegas. And uh, again, covering everything that you need about VGK. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Our podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, you had some questions about the naming of the 2022 NHL Hall of Fame class led by Roberto Luongo. And that's the Dean brothers, Daniel and Henrik. Also, Daniel Alfredson, 
who was a teammate of the Sedins in Sweden, played for the Ottawa Senators. Rika Salonen, the first female from Finland, uh, Finlander, I should say, in the National Hockey League. And the late Herb Carnegie, Herb Carnegie, uh, the old Quebec ace. And uh, again, he was uh, someone that worked uh, around hockey for a long time after his retirement in 1954, before his death in 2012, working to diversify the sport of hockey. But what are your questions about this class? Lack of Stanley Cups. Lack of Stanley Cups. Um, I'm not knocking anyone that got in. That certainly is not uh, the point of this. Although I, growing up a Chicago Blackhawks fan, the Blackhawks and, and the Vancouver Canucks for a minute or two had a pretty fun uh, rivalry going. And the Vancouver Canucks were one of the few teams in hockey that I really disliked growing up. And at one point you got the Sedin brothers and Luongo all on the same team, three Hall of Famers. How'd that turn out for them? And my point is where I'm going with this is, you know, Stanley Cups, is that the ultimate measuring point of success? Of course not. Is that a very important part of it? I think that certainly should definitely be addressed. I mean, looking at uh, Henrik Henrik Sedin, uh, 1,300 games played, over 1,000 points, but no Stanley Cups. So that just kind of has me going through the list of other eligible players who have maybe had like 1,000 games played, 1,000 points, and a Stanley Cup or multiple Stanley Cups is kind of the first thing that I'm looking for right now. So you look at someone like uh, like Brian Bellows, for example, 1,100 games played, 1,000 points, one Stanley Cup, not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, going down a little bit, I found one other... A uh, really good one here, if you bear with me a second. Larry Hillman has six Stanley Cups, but he's not in, unfortunately. Um, Alex Kovalev, 1,300 games, 1,000 points, not in there. Steve Larmer, I mean, these aren't major household names that I'm mentoring, but they are players that have made amazing contributions. Alexander Mogenly, almost 1,000 games played, 1,032 points, one Stanley Cup, not in. So we can go on and on and on about that side of it. Looking at the goalie side, um, again, Luongo, awesome seasons, awesome stats, long time in the league, fine. Tom Barrasso, two Stanley Cups, seven <laughs> jackpot, 777 games played, not in. I get he played behind a lot of great Pittsburgh teams, but still, so what? Um, Andy Moog, 700 games, three Stanley Cups. But the goaltending name that really stands out to me, how about Chris Osgood? Uh, three Stanley Cups, 744 games played, but not in the Hall of Fame. So again, I'm not questioning those that got in. And I know basically you have to achieve a certain percentage of the votes to get in. And there's more to it. There's there's media bias. And if someone, uh, you know, upset someone in pressers or wasn't as accessible in interviews, this is also a way for people to kind of get back, which is really unfortunate. That's how it plays out. Um, but congrats to those that did get in. And there's a lot of people knocking on the door that I think, uh, you know, maybe should have had more consideration just based on hitting that ultimate stepping stone and winning a Stanley Cup. Sedin brothers, uh, 17 seasons, all with Vancouver. And Luongo, as you mentioned, uh, now the fourth all-time in wins with 489. But I get where you're coming from. And I often wonder, for the Vegas Golden Knights, who the first all of fame member will be that goes in as a golden knight because okay 
we know again that Mark Andre Fleury will probably go in as a Pittsburgh Penguin. But uh, are there any candidates right now that might be able to go into the NHL Hall of Fame? If you again, you have to be a visionary. Look into your crystal ball. Any members of this team of this roster that could become the first. BGK member to go into the NHL Hall of Fame. Do does the NHL forgive me? Does the NHL do they go in as teams or do they simply go in as players for the NHL? That that's my first question here. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like again, no, like you you identify, yeah, and I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. How right, to no, I that. understand. Um, right, but but you know, like I mean, you do identify uh, Luongo and the Sedin brothers yes. with Vancouver. No doubt, one hundred percent. Who would you identify so right is, as a, as a there, Vegas Golden Knight? Yeah, is there a current VGK player who will go one day to Toronto as saying I am a VGK player that would be a Hall of Fame member? Um, Other than going to the replay room in Toronto. <laughs> fair enough. Um, fair enough. Um, Shade. Theodore, <laughs> Shea Theodore would be if we're going to make a very way too premature possibility. I would start with Shea Theodore because I think he does have the opportunity to, he even though he's older, kind of have the the Kale McCarr path, I guess, as far as uh, that offensive uh, defensive uh, player. Um, outside of Shea Theodore, who could I mean? You know, Jack Eichel obviously would be the chalk as far as if he can lead us to that Stanley Cup and, you know, lead us for six, seven years to come. But Eichel has pissed off so many people inside media circles. And, you know, I mean, if you breathe oxygen around Jack Eichel, he probably pissed you off at some point. So <laughs> it might be tough for Jack Eichel to get in no matter what he does. He's um, got to win awards and he's got to win the cup. To gain exactly. Exactly. That's why Shea Theodore is my just kind of on the spot answer based on what he can achieve at the position. I'm curious to see like what a Zach Whitecloud's growth could be. I don't know if I, I look at Zach Whitecloud and coming in his fourth season as a potential hall of famer, but you never know. Um, I'm trying to think of someone on the forward side outside of Jack Eichel. Um, Mark Stone, he's kind of had, you know, he's got a good career. It's kind of a boring career because he's that, two-way player that doesn't necessarily put up all the offensive numbers needed, but Stone's going to be here for a long time. Uh, Petrangelo, I mean, he's got a Stanley Cup now, and hopefully he'll have another cup or two in his contract that feels like it's never going to end at, uh, I think, what, eight, seven, nine, whatever the number is. It's just, it's it's too much, but that's another uh, story for another time. Um, so, yeah, I'll, my answer is Shea Theodore. I'll give possibility right in votes uh in this order jack eichel zach whitecloud okay and <laughs> i just think we're going to see a ton of growth from eichel this year because cassidy's not gonna he's not gonna let him off the hook he's going to hold him accountable as you mentioned in his yep. first press conference as he will with the rest of the vgk team and he's in his head as we know already and i just think it's i think some good things could come out of that and uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a breakthrough season for Jack Heigl personally, if he could stay healthy. Uh, VGK was one of the least penalized teams uh, last season in the National Hockey League. Could this be a sign of softness? We'll get into that after this. You're listening to Locked On Vegas Golden Knights. 
Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick in Las Vegas. Thank you all for tuning in. We thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. And you can find us wherever you get your podcast. So, Chris, I did some more research and things pop up all over the place on the Internet. Uh, VGK was the fourth least penalized team in the National Hockey League last season. Only St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and Dallas had fewer penalties. And then I also looked up 18 major penalties is what VGK had uh, last season, a.k.a. March or so, major penalties. Losses had a few times. Is this a sign, perhaps, uh, that VGK, um, again, with, you know, the uh, fourth fewest penalty minutes last season, that they lacked the grit and perhaps uh, were a little bit too soft? Is that a sign, a barometer, do you think? There's a couple things going on here. And I guess before I get too deep into this, um, Steve Steve Novell, I was going up and back with him in one of the uh, VGK uh, Facebook groups. And Steve basically uh, posed this, I'm going through here, basically needing, VGK needs to be more aggressive, more hits and things like that. Colasar doesn't isn't necessarily getting it done. So I responded to Steve and said, listen, this player was top 10 in hits, fourth in scoring amongst top 10 league leaders in hits, 77 games, and we're talking about Keegan Colasar. So his response, didn't realize, but he doesn't hit hard. Big hits are needed. His hitting didn't seem to make an impact. So that was a very fair up and back that we had about, about the um, the strength, of you will, of EGK. Keegan Colasar doesn't – no one is in the dressing room talking about Keegan Colasar as far as someone to keep an eye on. Keegan Colasar is a good player. I'm not knocking him, but teams are talking about Tom Wilson. Teams are talking about Pat Maroon. Teams are talking about um, Ryan Reeves, obviously. So kind of going on from there here, I, I love looking at numbers and stats and trying to find correlations and such. So when you sent me uh, this topic this morning, I went on Stat Muse. I think you got your stats on CBS, but it's all going to be the same at the end here. Looking at the most penalized team, <laughs> Nashville, over a 1,000 minutes was uh, 130 <laughs> minutes crazy? over uh, Tampa. So uh, Nashville is over there beating you up. But then you got Tampa 61 major wild. 60, 61 major penalties, by far the most majors in the yeah. NHL for the Reds. Exactly. Um, so I, I want basically to see teams that made the playoffs, teams that didn't make the playoffs on the top and bottom of this. So your teams, your most penalized teams, Nashville, playoff team, Tampa, obviously a playoff team, Minnesota. But then your next few teams, Arizona, Montreal, Florida, Ottawa, Boston, Anaheim. So there, there's no correlation, in my opinion, as far as penalty minutes equating to putting your team in trouble. So let's go on the other side now. Let's look at the least penalized teams and how do they do. Uh, Dallas is the least penalized team, followed by Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Vegas, Washington. Four out of five of those were playoff teams, Vegas not being the one, unfortunately. And then to round out your uh, other to, you know, top seven or eight least penalized teams, Columbus, Los Angeles, Chicago, Vancouver. So about a 50-50 split. So I really don't think penalty minutes equate to wins or losses. Of course, you can go deeper into special teams and, and all that. I certainly get that, but I'm only looking at the main number we're talking about. To answer your question, was VGK too soft? That goes back to my conversation with Steve in one of the Facebook groups. And yeah, <laughs> um, out hit every I, night, out hit every single night, just about. 
I'll hit, and I think the, the comment about, I mean, Colasar is our hits leader. Colasar is our most physical player as far as a measurable statistic goes. And again, Colasar will hit you. Colasar will put up some points. Colasar will play a good, solid, two-way, primarily defensive type of hockey game because that's what line four does. Um, you know, they're also the energy line and will spark some things every now and then. But no one's talking about Keegan Colasar. No one's saying, okay, Colasar is going to get you. Watch out. Make sure you're ready for him. Uh, that's definitely not how it goes. So, yes, was VGK soft last season? I think so. And something else I definitely want to talk about, um, you heard – in a lot of the um, interviews about the Stanley Cup winners and such. And they're hard to play against, being the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's something that you hear as a commonality amongst teams that have success in the playoffs in the regular season. They're just tough to play against. And that could be because they're physical. That could be because they just come at you in waves. That could be because they have world-class goaltending, but I think most of that goes back to physical play, battling hard for those 50-50 pucks, at times battling too hard for those 50-50 pucks and getting those penalties. And, you know, a penalty isn't a bad thing. It means I'm going to kick your butt if you come into the corner, you touch my goalie, I'm going to put you on your butt, and all these other things, Braden McNabb, instead of hitting you with that hip check, might come in and catch, you might catch an elbow instead every now and then. I mean, it's you know, not the prettiest part of the game. It's definitely one of the most painful parts of the game. And VGK needs to address their physicality in the off season and needs to become a team again, that is tough to play against, you know, that identity of, you know, not just the physicality for the first couple of seasons, but the, the relentless forecheck causing turnovers quickly and all of that stuff. And that's something big that VGK lacks and uh, hopefully uh, with all these new coaching changes, we can certainly, uh, you know, address, start, start addressing those things. Yeah, toughness in the neutral zone, I think, is a big key for VGK entering this season. You talked about Tampa second in penalties, 901 minutes. But uh, being in that penalty box really came back to bite them in the cup final. You know, at the start of the season, Chris, I was thinking when we're talking about penalties, uh, cross-checking, right? That was a major point with emphasis this past season. Do you feel that they clamped down on the amount? I, I was looking up and trying to find some statistics yesterday on cross-checking penalties early in the season. It was down substantially, but I haven't seen any stats at the end of the year. Uh, but do you think that that was, you know, by making that a point of emphasis, that it did cut down on the amount of cross-checks, there's still a lot of cross-checking going on, and that's just part of the game. And then the other uh, two-pronged question, two-pronged question here on the way out this morning, uh, What is there anything in hockey that you would like to see change as far as penalties go? Okay, fun fun topics. I like it here as we're up against the clock a little bit, but I definitely like both of these. Um, as far as the cross-checking and stuff goes, I mean – the big thing about cross-checking is where is it happening and how is it happening? If you're using your stick and you're holding it in a horizontal manner to create separation, most notably uh, when you're in front of the net, either on the offensive or defensive side, fine, no big deal there. But once you are pushing down on the player's numbers, you know, on, on the back of their shoulder blades, that's certainly where it becomes dangerous and, you know, could lead to a big uh, injury and stuff like that. So, I, I, that's probably why cross-checking was a point of emphasis. Obviously, you don't want to catch a spear in the chin or anything like that. 
Um, the second question was what penalties, penalties would I like to yeah. see change like or revisited? Or, or, or perhaps uh, emphasized here uh, heading into the next season? Um, so, I mean, let's start with the Stanley Cup final. And looking at the Vegas Golden Knights, not a major. As a result of not a major, major po- uh, penalties or potential major penalties are now automatically reviewed. Why can't we automatically review too many men? I mean, too many men is black and whites. There are six players on the ice. There are five players on the ice. Um, Colorado won the Stanley Cup fair and square. There is no question there whatsoever. This is not a pity party for Tampa, even though I lost some money on them not winning the Stanley Cup. Um, But the officiating should hopefully not come into question, at least for black and white issues that are not subjective. They are simply, it happened. It is there. It is not my opinion that this person was tripped. It is not my opinion. This person was cross-checked. There are six players on the ice. That should be something that is easily reviewable. Um, Offsides still seems to be a strange topic that they are having a hard time defining. And you have these just goals happening that are just so, so fast Um, But I think the most important thing that I would love to see changed from an officiating standpoint is I would like all coaches challenges completely eliminated from the game. And I would like the following to happen anytime there is a goal with all the technology, the ability to hire people to sit in the war room. This is very easily achievable when a goal is scored in any NHL arena the review team immediately will review to make sure a, the play was onside. They will review the last entry. There's plenty of cameras so they can get a good clear view. They will make sure the play was onside and then they will make sure the puck crossed the net across the goal line completely and legally. And this is something that doesn't need to, you know, require extra expenditure from the NHL or anything like that. Just simply have an extra body or two in there. You have all these cameras in there, you know, in the arena. So it's not hard to to catch the blue line, see if there was an offside. I don't like the fact that, hey, the referees might have got this wrong. I think you got this wrong. Now I have to weigh the pros and cons of getting this goal taken off the board versus me getting a penalty for delaying the game because you might have made a mistake. That is the biggest thing that I don't completely understand whatsoever about penalties and reviews and such so i want to go back i I do want to go back to too many men on the ice because again so nate mckinnon they showed was four seconds late in getting off the ice they timed that out and everything else if it's away from the play should that still be called too many men on the ice if it doesn't impact the play if somebody's just a hair late well that's a kind of a lengthy uh time to get off the ice for mckinnon but should they still, you know, make that call on a penalty if it does not affect the play? But McKinnon did affect the play. I understand what you're, you're, you're or excuse me, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Kadri did affect the play. So if neither player affects the play and you're close to the bench, it's not a penalty. But if one player affects the play, either side coming in or going off, then that's when too many men is triggered. So you could argue that Kadri should not have been on the ice for four seconds because that's how long McKinnon dogged it to go back to the bench. So, yes, I understand what you're saying. Did McKinnon, did, uh, I, I want to say McCrimmon, I want to keep saying that, but did McKinnon affect the play by lagging? Of course not. That 
you know, Kadri's going to get a scoring chance there. But the way the rule is written, you know, that by the letter of, and it's not even by the letter of the law, it's just a black and white thing. There are too many men on the ice based on the way the rule is written. If the NHL wants to get together with uh, the rules committee and the people that influence the rules committee and say, okay, we're going to give you uh, all this extra time to get off, you know, as, as long as you're inside this little rectangle in front of the box and they can put a little rectangle on the ice as well. This is obviously crazy. We're not going to suggest this, but you know, as long as you're inside this area, you're cool. Don't worry about it. I don't like that either. Um, I, I get what you're saying, but it does affect the play if you're able to get an early jump on the puck, which is what Kadri did as a result of McKim. Uh, I, I want to say McCrimmon every time I say that now, as a result of McKinnon just kind of taking his time getting off. Okay, uh, one final question. Let's in go. The, in the beer league games that you officiate, are cross-checking penalties on the rise? Are they on the rise? Not really. Um, I, I, what's the most called penalty? What's the most called penalty? Cross-checking is probably one of my least called because I'm, you know, when I'm the low official, I, I'm I'm kind of peeking at the play in front of the net, but my primary job is to watch the puck, actually. And the top official is the one that's really watching in front of the net to make sure that no, uh, no infractions occur there. Um, but when I am yelling, it's keep your stick low, stay off the shoulders, and then I'll talk to the players between the whistle and say, listen, create separation, go low. But the second you're doing, you know, that hacksaw axe swinging motion with your stick, that's where we're going to have a conversation and you're going to go in the box and, and feel shame. All right. Thanks for that insight. We appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> we appreciate everyone else uh, out there tuning in to us each and every day. Uh, one thing that's on the rise is, of course, our listenership and, of course, uh, Again, follow us on Twitter at LockdownVGK and myself at Tony Dasco. And he is at TD Chris G, my man, Chris Golick. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And we'll be back again tomorrow right here heading into a big holiday weekend. Take care.